Hello and welcome to another episode of Father Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, obviously, there's no surprise that I have myself a little dude um, who is at the point in life where he's running around now. He's trying to learn words. Well, he's got some words, but obviously not a vocabulary that would be a, a, of a school child or anything. It's mostly anything that starts with the word D. He can say it. Duh. He says it all the time, um, basically used as his starting point of, of pointing at everything. So I bring this up because obviously life is about relationships and, and situations where you're trying to make, I don't know if fit in is the right way to say it, but there are things that are socially acceptable in this environment than different environments. You know, For instance, if you are at a sporting event and you just start screaming at the top of your lungs, it's generally, there are times that that's accepted. Um, but if you do the same thing, I don't know, in an opera house, it's like never okay. So I, I just point those up as two examples to bring this into the situation of, of basically being at mass. You know, my son does not have the capacity of truly understanding that this time is different than other times because... I came here in a car seat. I got way over bundled and now I'm getting taken out and there's people I know sitting around me, but they're acting differently. So his key thing is to try to do all of the same stuff that he normally does when he doesn't want to stay still. He starts pulling off people's glasses. He starts poking things. He starts getting loud. If you put him down, he tries to run um, all of these things that are, distracting at least um, to um, to people around me and if not rude or problemsome at, at a greater degree. So me going through all this, I, I have different degrees of tensions and stresses that happen with there that quite frankly did not used to happen to me going to mass before bringing my son along essentially before having my son. And I bring this up because it's a new wave of emotion. It feels wrong um, to have these types of feelings and thoughts at a mass. But I also have a strong feeling that I'm not the first person who has gone through this. I'm just the first person in front of a podcast with you going through this. And I wanted to bring it up as a chance to, uh, to discuss it because, like I said, I'm not the only person who has these... Uh, worried or, or or maybe even shame feelings going on around it. I can see it in the other new parents that are just in the building with me in our parish with us. So um, like I said, I, I wanted to start that as, as a conversation point um, because while it might be something that is in my head, I also feel like it's commonly in many people's heads. So with that being said, father, if you can guide me with a, some answers here, or some thoughts to put there next time I'm feeling, you know, stressed out. <laughs> um, yeah, it's challenging, huh? I'm, uh, I'm always greatly appreciative of parents and uh, what they go through. I, I try to at least uh, withhold uh, uh, my own uh, feelings of, uh, of, of judgment or whatever. I, sort of work through those kinds of things. Why can't those people get their kids under control? And uh, of course, every parent is, is already feeling that. And, and the ones who aren't feeling that, like you kind of wish they were feeling that because like, this is not okay, whatever's happening. So mm -hmm. 
it's, it also uh, leads to like maybe it would just be easier if I don't show up. And, and we inherently know that that's the wrong answer. So we're trying to figure out like the roadmap of playing through it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 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 So <laughs> it's, uh, well, I, I, I don't know. I have seen many parents seem to figure this out, but kind of in their own way. And, and, uh, that's, um, I, I admire that in each case and children have different temperaments, you know, so different children are going through different things. And then I, I also see, you know, things like the Montessori approach and the catechesis of the good shepherd approach. I see two-year-olds, three-year-olds like working quietly for two hours. And I think, are they drugged? You know, is there like ether in that room or you know, what in the world is happening? So I know things are possible and uh and then it always seems like things should be able to be rearranged in in different ways and uh to to make it possible for children to i don't know uh, behave in certain ways i suppose but uh then i also know you know not setting up children for failure and expecting them to do things that they can't do uh, or else that can become somewhat destructive so normally what i do when i have people bring up this is i send them to somebody else to talk to <laughs> to, to work with children and uh and i just uh a reverence in awe at a distance uh everything that that parents are doing and whatever is happening and uh but i i know um you know the the foundational things are are unconditional love uh discovering where where your children you know are able to handle different things in different ways the uh you know not expecting of them what's beyond their capacity just not setting them up for failure taking them into environments that they can't handle and that's not the same for every child i was just at this wedding that uh the the reception was loud and and this little baby i mean whatever he is 6 months old maybe happy as a clam i mean just like in looking around seeing every new person totally unafraid of strangers reaching out i mean just completely engaged another child would have been screaming his head off that mm -hmm. you know uh and maybe just passed out you, you a lot of times hyper stimulation leads to unconsciousness as uh children just don't have the capacity depending on the age of the child and things like that um you know, our church environments uh, are not always the most helpful, but again, that's a cultural thing to some extent in the Byzantine churches. Traditionally, they like let children run free and children, like people are not allowed to enter the sanctuary, but children are allowed to go wherever they want. And the the priest just, you know, I mean, the child's running through or whatever, just lets the child go or you know, redirects them or something like that. It's a total non-issue. And so We've developed cultures that are uh, sort of friendly in that way. Uh, other other churches are not that way. Some churches I've been to, you know, uh, this one church in Pittsburgh where, like, I think the average age of the the 10 a.m. congregation is about about 18 because there are so many children under the age of 10, and it's like a a low roar the entire mass, and you just kind of ground drown it out. I mean, there's just constant. Uh, little noises coming from little people who are there in the congregation, and 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 those people love that. You know, they're like that's just a sign of life. 
as it should be. Another congregation, or we have our monastery, um, evening prayer, morning prayer, something like that. We've got monks and and uh, a family brings in a small child who like starts screaming. And it's like, what? Why, why did you think this is okay? <laughs> what are you doing? Take the child somewhere. Like this is not the this is not the place for it. And I think some parishes uh, maybe are not as uh, as tolerant of uh, extra noises. Now, again, those noises can be arranged. One thing is the child that's that's talking or you know knocks the kneeler down or something like that. Another child, another is that is when the child is screaming so loudly that you can't hear the priest preaching the homily. I mean, those are two different examples of. Uh, of children making noise. So anyway, all of these, uh, these different settings, but I guess the, the reassuring thing for anybody is that it's not, it's not easy for anybody and, uh, learning to socialize your children in these different environments is, uh, has its own challenges, getting to know your children and they're in different places at different points in their life or different days of the week. I mean, or different times of the day. And getting to know all of that and be sensitive to that, setting up children for success. And then I think really uh, working on the interior of, uh, you know, you're doing the best you can and keep trying, keep learning, keep talking to people, keep getting advice, keep trying things. And all of that effort, it matters. And it's, it's already a good in itself. We can't become so uh, end point oriented, so product oriented that we lose sight of the value of the process, which is all of these uh, these little ways of engaging and understanding and hearing our children. You know, they don't just like cry out and make noise because they're bad. That's also an important point. You know, they're mm-hmm. experiencing something, and we need to be able to validate their emotions. They're interacting with the world that way, even if we also at, at the same time need to redirect like you won't die because your your stomach is growling you won't die <laughs> i know it's uncomfortable and i know that you really want food but you're not going to die <laughs> and anyway we help to regulate some of these things um so now i've said a bunch of things that probably uh, the parents uh, who are listening are are going to come and attack me for uh not uh not saying it in the best ways because like I said, I am no expert at this and I don't fashion myself as an expert at this. What I've just shared is observations <laughs> for whatever they're worth. Well, I appreciate that. That's fair enough. You know, the, uh, it, 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 it's, I, I guess where I'm at is, is, is I don't believe that like extra elements should be brought to, to the, the church. You know, like, this is not the time to bring, um, books or toys or coloring books or any of that stuff. And, um, I, I, I personally have just never been on the bus of people doing that. You know, um, anything that's going to distract from the ultimate goal of, of one day being a full participant in the mass is by definition counterproductive. And I get that that's starting from exactly what you told me not to do of results oriented, but at the same time that that's kind of, you know, if I'm building a system, I want to know what the endpoint's going to be and try to get us there. So it's hard for me to turn off results-oriented lifestyle. Just what that's I, me thing. I don't mean that you're not aiming at anything, but uh, as there are many failures along the way, we shouldn't get discouraged by the failures when things don't work one step after the next. That's that's all I meant. No, certainly we want to 
uh, aim at forming children to be full conscious active participants in the mass, to be able to enter into these transforming mysteries that are the, the centerpiece of our life and uh, our, our entryway into eternity. So no, certainly we have a long range, but I just meant uh, not to get discouraged along the way when things are not quite working out. Don't lose sight of the effort and the value of the effort as uh, we're, we're stumbling along. Fair enough. And that's part of where I think I'm also having problem with because, and this just might be an age thing. He just might be, you know, three months from now, this is a moot point. Um, but with him being so active um, and me, because I've had shoulder surgery, not being able to really hold him, um, it's becoming, you know, what can I do to help the situation? It used to be, I just hold him hold him up high, basically put on my shoulder and he looked around and became amazed by everyone around him. Maybe make googly eyes or not, but it was quiet. People were engaging him in a way that they felt comfortable with by default. Um, and, and that was that. Um, and since I'm not able to do that right now, and I won't be able to do that for unfortunately an extended period of time, um, figuring out my own process through this because um, on the one hand, I feel like I'm helpless and I can't do anything about it. Um, I feel like there's a, a certain burden of responsibility or whatever the term is that I, because I physically can't, I'm by default putting it upon other people. And, um, I'm just not dealing well with, with that. And it's one of these things that I know we've talked in the past about, concentration levels i feel like mine is plummeting and, and i'm losing the ability for basic thinking and listening skills and um that's kind of where, where i'm worried about and where i'm at here is just kind of putting that all on the table here father as, as we got a, about five minutes or so left in uh, today's conversation <laughs> yes well i think it's uh i think it's a marvelous adventure you know it's uh something so beautiful and and i think i think we also have to uh we certainly can grow from the wisdom of past generations and as i say i do uh a couple of women who work with me at the institute for ministry formation are just amazing they're they're both catechists and catechesis of the good shepherd and have just both spent a tremendous amount of time with children and have really good insights around how to handle different things um, you know, some of the glory stories with CGS are that the children actually know what's going on in the mass. And so they want to sit up front, which always terrifies parents, because what if they have a meltdown? And so the mm -hmm. parents tend to pull them towards the back, but then the, it actually disengages the children with what's happening in the mass. And so that's counterproductive. As one example, you know, none mm -hmm. of these things should be absolutized, but um, that's the kind of thing that can happen that when children understand the gestures and words of the mass, as I was saying in, uh, maybe it was the previous episode about the absorbent mind, which is ages zero to six. So what are you gonna fill that absorbent mind with? With the language and the gestures of the mass and the scriptures, because the language of God is the one that we really want to get in there. And those are the ways by which we receive the, the language of God. And so when children have been have begun to absorb the language of God, and then they see that getting worked out in the mass, and they know what it means when the, when the priest extends his hands with palms down, that's the epiclesis. Three-year-olds will say that to their parents. 
that's the epiclesis. And their parents go, the what? Uh, because the parents don't know, but the children soak these things in and they know what it means. It's not just uh, the gesture and the word, but also the fact that the Holy Spirit is being called down on the gifts. That's what it means when the priest extends his hands, palms down during the sacraments. And so the uh, by by setting up the children for success, engaging them in what's happening in the uh, through the atrium, the atrium is the place where catechesis of the Good Shepherd takes place. Atrium means like antechamber. So it's not the church, it's the thing next to the church, but it's the place where we practice being in the church. And so we we take off our, our shoes before we go into the atrium and we use a different voice and we treat the, the implements in the atrium with care and we keep them in order and we do one thing at a time. And what we work with in the atrium are the, the words and the gestures of God's revelation in scripture and the mysteries and the mass, you know, and so we practice for these things, but then children understand church is the real thing. It's what they've been practicing for. And then they're excited to see, you know, so these are the, again, the glory stories. I don't want to paint a picture that, you know, suddenly all the children's no longer are children because they've, you know, spent two hours in the atrium, <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. but these do, these kinds of patterns do develop and, and these sorts of things uh, can take hold and differently in each child. And they all have their own, you know, temperaments to work with. But anyway, my point is that uh, these, these women I work with are incredible with children and have seen really great things. And they agree with you hundred percent, by the way, Joe, no Cheerios, no toys, no books, no games. This is not the way to uh, engage them in the mass. And uh, we don't need to babysit them that way. Better to take them out than to have them in there with all that stuff. Um, so that's some of their Thought wisdom. I hear at the conclusion. <laughs> yeah, at least, at least we know we're doing something right there at the conclusion of the episode. Um, as we're having a little bit of Wi-Fi issues here to conclude it. But uh, we're going to thank everyone for being here with us this week. And we will be with you guys again here next week.